Thanks for joining us on the Authentic Church Podcast. Let's jump right into this week's message. Over the last two weeks, we have been in a series titled Remember to Rest. Why? Because here at Authentic Church, we believe that rest is a priority and is a gift from God. You need rest in your life, and God showed you and showed all of us the perfect balance that we need to live out to keep going, to keep holding on strong. And today, I want to end this series with a topic that may be a little difficult, but what I want to share with you first is this, okay? A lot of us right now, and maybe you can relate to this, feel like we have no power in our lives because we're spiritually on E. You're spiritually on E. You feel like there's nothing going on in your life. You feel like maybe it's hard to hear God right now. God, are you really speaking to me because I'm busy, 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 and I don't know what you're doing anymore. Anybody in the room got like an older phone that just drives you crazy? Maybe an older iPhone, you charge it up all night. You say, today, I'm going to use it. It's going to be good. Within an hour, it goes dead. Within an hour, it's already drained. Like, what do you mean half the battery? And you want to throw it out the window because it makes you mad. The same is for your spiritual walk. How many of you right now feel powerless in your walk with God because you are spiritually on E? Where there is no power, listen to me, there is no function. Where there is no power, there's no function in your life. And the same is for you spiritually. David said it like this. Out of 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11, he says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, it's the power, it's the glory, it's the victory and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours. Everything, all of creation will proclaim your holy name, O Lord. This is your kingdom. So we adore you over all the things around us. Power comes from the Lord. You don't have power on your own. You need to realize that. You're not in control of life and all the people around you. But power comes from where? It comes from above, from the spirit of God living inside of you. And you are recharged when, are, when you're connected to the Father. But I started thinking, a lot of us, here's the problem. We're not recharging in the Lord's presence. And so because of that, you feel powerless or maybe you feel tired right now. Maybe you feel cranky. You're grumpy. Every day you wake up and you're just not feeling it. God, I don't know if I can love people today because right now I'm not really liking myself. I'm not really liking my life. God, I need something to happen. But we're on the third week now of Remember to Rest. This is the ending of this series. So let me ask you a question, okay? Three weeks in all. What does it mean to rest in God? Over the last two weeks, what have you learned? What does it actually mean to rest in God? When we come in here and we proclaim God's goodness, what does it mean? Oh, yes, yes. Rest in the Lord's goodness. Trust him, right? What does that look like? I want to show you according, uh, a few different answers according to the word of God. Let's start in the very beginning at a Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 and 3 states it like this. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all of his work. And God blessed the seventh day. Let me say it again. God blessed the seventh day. God will bless your day of rest. And he declared it what? He declared it holy. 
What does it mean to declare something holy? It means to set it apart from everything else. It means I am dedicating this time and this day to the Lord. Here's what I love about it. God was showing us this example of the perfect balance in your life, but it means you set apart this day to be in God's word, meaning you're giving God your full attention. Let's go deeper. It also means this. It means you are worshiping the Lord. Listen to it like this. When you rest in the Lord, you worship the Lord. When you rest in God's presence, you worship God. And David backs this up out of the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter 92, verses one and two, the title of this passage of scripture is this, a song to be sung, listen to this, on the Sabbath day. He says, it is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to the most high. It is good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning. You know how, how important that is for you to wake up every day and realize today is a blessing. Today is a gift from God. I have too many conversations about, hey man, how you doing? Or hey, how are you doing today? I'm all right. It's just another day. It's another grind. No, it's a new beginning. And God can use you to change somebody else's life. But you have to get your mind right in the very beginning. So you praise God because he is the most high. You proclaim his unfailing love early in the morning and you understand that his faithfulness is there. And you praise him even in the evening. What am I saying? I'm saying that when you rest in God's presence, you worship God. That should be the first thing you do especially set aside a day to just enjoy you, enjoy God's presence. God, today, I know there's a lot, a lot going on in my life, but I trust in what you're doing and I'm ready to see the miracle that you have for me. But David doesn't stop there. Oh, he continues. There's something very special he wants you to know. And he continues saying that when you rest in the Lord's presence, also God will go before you and he will take out your enemies. He will fight your battles. But something even more special happens after that. In verse 10, Psalm 92, verse 10, David said, you have made me strong as a wild ox. Meaning, God, you've given me strength that I didn't have before. God will give you strength to fight the battles that you never thought you could fight. But listen to this, you ready? He also said, you have anointed me with fresh oil. David is saying, listen, when I set a day apart to worship the Lord, I'm in his presence. I know he's taking care of things that I can never do on my own. And because of that, I'm anointed. I receive his fresh anointing in my life. This is the recharging that happens on the inside. This is what keeps you away from spiritually going on empty. God wants to recharge you by his spirit coming upon you. And David said, it's when you set a day apart to worship him, that you are refreshed by the finest of oil. Meaning when you rest in God, yes, you worship his holy name, but also you receive God's anointing. Because every time we see the Holy Spirit giving power through the anointing out of the Bible, let me show you one example, okay? The anointing of oil always symbolizes the Holy Spirit working through the people of God. 1 Samuel, chapter 16, verse 13. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil that he had brought and he anointed David with oil. What happened immediately after that? 
He anointed him, and then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. I love this. Powerfully. Where's your power come from? It doesn't come from you. It comes from above. It comes from the Spirit of God living inside of you, connected and recharged by the Father, speaking through you in ways that you never thought he could. And from that day on, David experienced the power of God. He was able to be a king. He was able to take down giants. He fought wars and battles. He never thought he had the strength to fight. So when you rest in the Lord, you worship his holy name. And when you rest in the Lord, you receive his anointing. But Jesus also made this statement about the Sabbath. He said it like this. He said, listen, God created the Sabbath for your benefit. God showed you how to have this balance in your life for your own benefit because the Sabbath was meant to bless your life. Now, we've been over this before. I want to show you something else this time, though. And Jesus said it like this. Uh, Mark chapter 2, verse, I think, 27. Let me make sure I made that right. I, I had it wrong last time. Mark chapter 2, verse 27. Yes. He said it like this. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people and not the people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Why would Jesus say it like that? He kind of sounds like he's defending himself. And here's what's interesting to me. When you look up Jesus in the New Testament, talking about the subject of rest or the Sabbath, most of the time, he's getting in trouble. Most of the time, he's making the Pharisees mad. They didn't like what he had to say or what he was doing on the Sabbath. Why? Listen, because the Pharisees never understood the concept of rest. They took what was a gift from God and made it miserable. They took what was a blessing from God and made it legalistic. Did you know that people at that time were afraid to walk on grass on the Sabbath day because they may split the grain from the stalk? And that was considered work. Can you imagine living like that? Like, oh, it's the Sabbath. What do we do? All right, walk really slowly. Make sure you don't step on anything. You stepped on a bug. Is that work? We don't know. Did we just commit a sin? I don't know. They were panicked. Why? Because of man-made rules, because of legalism. And Jesus shows up to the scene and says, that's not what the Sabbath was for. The Sabbath was meant to bless you. The Sabbath is a gift from the Father to set you free so that you can trust the Lord even when it's difficult to do. Because like I said, Jesus was always pushing the limits. Usually on the Sabbath, he was teaching or he was healing, but he really made them mad when he said this out of Matthew chapter 12, verse eight. And he said, for the son of man is Lord, even over the Sabbath. Jesus is proclaiming, listen, I was there when the Sabbath was created. I have been given authority over the Sabbath. Your rest that you receive, it's through me. Jesus made that statement, and the Pharisees didn't like it very much, which means Jesus was declaring this, listen, that you cannot enter into God's rest by your works. Isn't that ironic? Listen to the sentence. You cannot enter into God's rest for your life by your good works. Just like everything else, Jesus was saying, I have come not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And the fulfillment is this, you shall receive grace. Because the law wasn't bad. The law was given to us by God. But what happened out of the book of Genesis? When our eyes were opened, 
you will have knowledge of good and evil, and it weighs on you. And so the, the commandments of God are to show us what is right, what is pure, but we can't hold up to those standards. So Jesus came in and said, no, listen, even resting in the Lord is a gift of grace. You can't earn it on your own. This is what I have for you. And it means this. It means you are giving God full control over your life. Three weeks ago or two weeks ago, I said it like this. When you take your hands off the situation, God puts his hands on the situation. God is in control. And I noticed in my life, when I struggle with this, when I want control of something, usually it goes wrong. Things start to mess up. I can't believe I said that. Like, why did I say it like that? I look dumb. Like, why did I do that? But when God is in control, Miracles happen, open doors. I'm not just saying that because I'm a pastor on a stage. I'm saying that because I want you to live it out. I want you to see the power of God in your own life, that he loves you. So resting in God is worshiping the Lord. It's receiving an anointing, and it's also understanding God's grace for your life. But I wanna be honest with you. It's hard to do. We know it's true. We know that this is the word of God. We know that this is what he has for us. But some weeks, some months, some years are very hard to trust the Lord. Especially with rest. That's what we struggle with. This is why the devil wants you to burn out. You understand? He's showing you all your situations. Oh, oh, just run on E, run on E. And you never know what's attacking you because you're too tired. Do you make good decisions when you're tired? No. And the devil knows that. But it can be very hard to rest sometimes. How do you rest when bills are overdue? How do you rest when you're trying your hard and you're working so hard, but you feel like you just can't make enough to pay all the debt that you have and now you're hurting your body, you're going through health issues because you're working so much and you're not allowing yourself to trust God and rest, but how do you rest when the bills have to get paid and you don't know what else to do? How do you rest when you go through a bad breakup? How do you rest when you feel like you wake up every single day crying, Lord, am I not good enough? Will my life never change? Will I never have a love in my life? I just want to cry every single day. How do I rest right now, Lord? How do I trust you through this pain? How do you rest when somebody you love is sick? When somebody you love has cancer and has a limited time to live. How do you rest in a time like that? And here's the beauty, though, about the gift of rest. Jesus, again, he said it, it is for your benefit. And even in the darkest of times, the hardest of times, this gift is to bring light in the darkness, that you don't lose hope or faith in what God is doing. So the title of today's message is this. How do you rest when life is hard? How do you rest? How do you rest in the Lord when you feel like everything around you is falling apart and you're in control of nothing? And so for the remainder of the sermon, I'm gonna teach you two points on how to enter into God's rest even when it's difficult to do. Two points. I said that loud enough? You're welcome. All right, point number one is this. And this was a revelation for my life. Trust God even when you don't understand. Trust the Lord even when you don't understand. I wanna make this very clear. In every situation, in everything that comes at you, you have to make a choice. Either you're going to trust yourself or you're gonna trust God. 
okay? But when you trust God, he can open up doors and show you things, again, that you can never do on your own. Let me say it like this. We do not have to understand God's plan to trust him. But when we trust him, eventually we will understand his plan. Meaning right now, God, I don't know what you're doing because it doesn't make sense. But I trust you, and in the end, I'm going to see your plan unfold for my life. I'm going to see the blessings and the promises that you have spoken over me. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 states it like this. Trust the Lord with all of your heart, and also lean on your own understanding. Some of y'all are like, hold on, hold on, you just tricked me right now. Trust the Lord with all of your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding, what you think you need in life, what you think will be a blessing for you. God knows that it may torture you or it may bring pain. That relationship that you jumped into may not be good for you right now. That business plan that you have, it may be right in the future, but it may not be right right now. God knows exactly what you need, but you have to trust him. Do not lean on your own understanding, even when it doesn't make sense. Why though? Why can't we just control just a little bit? Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 says it like this. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to what? Death. How many times have you ran away from God to do your own thing? And it led to death. Something in your life died. Maybe it was hope for a while. Maybe it was faith for a long time that anything could change for you, that anything in your life could become better than what it is right now. See, something will die when you try to control these things. And, and uh, the point of this series, listen, worry will lead you to death. Worry will cause stress and anxiety over your life every single day. Can I, can I ask you a question? You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to say this out loud. But right now, how many of you are suffering with a worry that keeps you up at night? In fact, just thinking about it right now almost gives you a panic attack. You feel like everything is out of your control and you don't know what to do. But let me be honest with you, nothing is in your control. You understand that? Because that's why we panic. The definition of worry is this, it's out of my control. Well, nothing's in my control. I may be blessed today, but I could lose my job tomorrow. I may have health today, but I could lose that tomorrow. I may have a bad day and God may bless me tomorrow. You don't know because you are not in control. But how many of you are allowing worry to consume your mind and it's all you think about and everybody notices? Everybody notices because it's tense. When you walk into the room, when that subject is brought up and instead of having a healthy conversation, you get defensive because it's tearing you up on the inside. It feels like everything is out of your control. Worry is the opposite of rest. I need you to understand, Jesus said it like this. Listen, why are you worrying so much? It adds nothing to your life. It brings no solution to your problems. It will only add more stress and anxiety. Matthew chapter 6, verse 27. You cannot add any time to your life by worrying about it. But guess what? We're human. You're going to feel it. It's going to attack you. There's going to be times where you're just like, God, I don't know what to do right now. I'm really stressed out. What do I do? How do I defeat this? How do I fight this? Jesus gave us the answer. He continues. 
In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, he said it like this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right standing with the Lord, and all these things will be added to you. That's the big revelation. When you're in control, you're trying to pursue what you want right now and putting God last. But when you seek first the kingdom of God, I'm putting God first. And because of that, he puts everything in my life back into order. Do you understand the rest and peace that that brings into your life? That you can just trust God. Again, you can worship him, receive his anointing, and trust his grace that he's doing something you cannot. So what do you do? You set a time to rest. You trust in God's will over your own will. Not my will be done, Lord, but your will. This is hard. I'm struggling, Father. I'm going to be honest with you right now. I don't know how to make it out, but I know your will will be done. And I want to be a part of that. Verse 34 says it like this. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. How many of you right now, you think about tomorrow's problems, next week's problems, next month's problems, yet you're not even handling the problems that you're dealing with today. And that's why you're so stressed out because you can't focus on what you need to get done right now. You're focusing on the things that are out of your control and in the future, and you feel like nothing is getting done. I'm not trying to dance up here, but I kind of came out like that. It's like a tornado in your life. That's what I was doing, called the tornado, all right? But worrying makes you sick. That's where we get the phrase, worried, sick. I am worried, sick. My body can feel it. My mind can feel it. My spirit can feel it. And I don't know what to do. And I started to think, um, for me, when it came to a faith move, get this out of my pocket, the thing that I worried with the most was money. God, you're telling me to do what? God, you're telling me that uh, I got to step out on faith and risk it all right now? God, I got bills. I got, I got money right now. But listen, it's all going in here, and I'm not going to have anything left. God, what do I do right now? And I remember there was a time where I was outside washing my truck, and God clearly spoke to me and said, hey, you're going to pursue evangelism. I had no clue at that time it was going to be an entire year of evangelism. But I remember looking like a crazy person outside because I'm washing my truck and I look up and say, God, you're funny. Like, no, I'm not doing that. There's no way. Why? Because I got bills to pay. I got a family that needs me. And I've always struggled. What's, what's irresponsible and what's faithful? But God kept sending confirmation after confirmation and he kept sending us this message. Hey, I want you to do this. But I was struggling. You want to know Why? Because a lot of times when life gets hard, we focus so much on the how, but never the who my God is. God, how are you going to fix this? How are you going to make everything right? If you knew all the things that you would have to go through, you wouldn't even step out on faith in the beginning. But because I focus on who God is, I know that he is sufficient even when I am weak. Let me share with you who my God is. Psalms chapter 146 Verses seven through nine, he gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. 
The Lord frees the prisoners. He opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who feel weighed down. Maybe that's you today, right now, by all your burdens and worries. The Lord loves the godly. The Lord protects the foreigners among us. He cares for the orphans and the widows, and he frustrates the plans of the wicked. Remember, on the first week of this series, I told you that you can actually sleep, and God will handle your enemies while you sleep. God will visit them. He'll take care of them because he knows what needs to happen in their life too. The Bible tells us that we're patiently waiting because God's timing is perfect and God's desire is for everybody in this world to repent because we are all his children. His timing is perfect and you have to trust him. But here's what I, I realized about Proverbs chapter three, verse five. Remember, trust the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In Hebrew, the word trust here actually means to cling on to, to hold on to, to not let go, that this is me. And here's what I realized. When God was telling me to make a faith move, instead of holding on to his promises and his word, this is what I was holding on to. And I saw God over there and I wanted that, but I couldn't let go of this because it didn't make sense in my own understanding. It didn't make sense in the moment. And I remember praying, God, are you sure? Are you sure you want this for my life? And I remember going inside and talking to my wife and we decided together to let go of the worry and start holding on to God's promises. God, if you confirm this, it will happen. I don't know how, but I trust you. You realize for an entire year, money showed up in the most miraculous of ways. In the mailbox, at the front door, with people I barely knew. There was a time where my son got sick, took him to the hospital. The doctor says, hey, I'm an ordained minister. Did it for free. They sent us out into the lobby. The nurses gave us money. When have you ever walked into a hospital and they gave you money? <laughs> my God can do it. <laughs> some of you are praying today, God, can I get that blessing? Because I, I got some things I need. What are you holding on to though? What worry in your life right now are you clinging on to instead of the promises of God? And listen, that was my story. Your story may be different. God is telling you something specifically for you and your life, and he wants to benefit you by allowing you to rest and to sit down and to see his miracles at work. This is the God that we serve. If you have your Bibles, let me show you an example of this. In Leviticus chapter 25, um, before I get there, let me, let me clarify that God had already spoken to the Israelites out of the Ten Commandments that there should be a seventh day of rest. This is the Lord's Sabbath. I want you to obey it and admire and praise my holy name. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, setting it apart. But did you also know that God told the Israelites, hey, you thought the, the one day was good? I want you on the seventh year to take a full year of rest. What does that mean? It means don't work on the land. Don't put crops out. Don't look at your fruit. Don't, don't, don't do any of these things. Don't cultivate the land. Don't go out there. Do not work. Take your hands off the land. Don't you touch my land, God is saying. And because of that, you will see a blessing and you will see that I am in control, not you. Leviticus chapter 25. 
verses one through four, here's what God said. He said, when you have entered into the land that I am giving you, notice that too. Everything you have, God has given it to you. The land itself must observe a Sabbath rest before the Lord every seventh year. This is why all creation praises his holy name. All creation obeys the Lord. (laughs) And on the seventh year, he said, don't you touch my land. For six years, you may plant your fields and prune your vineyards and harvest your crops. But during the seventh year, that land must have a Sabbath year of complete rest. Let me tell you something. It is the Lord's Sabbath. So do not plant your fields or prune your vineyards during this year. What if the Lord told you to wait a year for the thing you want right now? (laughs) What if God said, hey, wait a year before you get into a new relationship? Like, God, that's a long time. Like, that's a long time of eating ice cream by myself. Are you sure I can handle something like that? I know for me, God may give you a vision, a business plan, something that you feel like you're qualified to just jump right into, that God may be saying, no, 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 wait a year. You better rest up. There are people you haven't met yet. I'm going to bring them into your life. And when you meet them, they're going to open up doors. They're going to take care of things that you can't take care of. Because the problem is, I know for me, even in the church plan, I was like, God, I can't do this and that, and I'm not smart enough in this area. And God was saying, no, I'll bring the people. Literally, that's how it happened. Everywhere I went, hey, pastor, I want to serve right here. Oh, really? Are you qualified? Yeah, that's my whole job profession. Okay. God always provides what you need. If you don't see it till you move out in faith. And what God is saying is, listen, you can risk it all and still rest. Rest in the adventure that God is showing you. He's proving to you that he loves you. But God may tell you to wait a year. And the Israelites were just like us. They didn't understand. They asked questions. Hey, God, listen, that sounds good. If I don't work, though, how are we going to eat? How is my family going to be taken care of? If I don't plant anything, God, what are we going to do? Listen to this. They're pretty much saying, God, if I'm not in control, how are we going to live? (laughs) Listen, let me say it like this. You may, may survive when you're in control, but you will thrive when God is in control. You will thrive. I'm about to show you something really cool. I love this. I love when God shows up. Ask me questions, God says. I'll give you the answers. Leviticus chapter 25, verse 20 and 21. I told you I'm spunky today, all right? So you got to deal with it. But he said this, and if you say, we are going to eat in the seventh year, If we do not sow seed or gather in our crops, how are we going to eat? Excuse me. Then he said, God said, this is my answer. I will order, listen to this, my special blessing. Something's coming. You don't know. But I will order my special blessing for you in the sixth year so that it will produce sufficient crops for three whole years. Think about it. God is saying, if you just trust me right now, I will give you a special blessing you don't even know is coming. Let me say it like this. Trusting God's rest means to receive God's best. For you to remember it easier. Trusting God's rest, I trust that I can rest in God because when I rest in him, I can also receive his best, his special blessing. We trust God 
even when we don't understand. But remember in the beginning, I told you this, you still have a choice. You're gonna trust yourself or you're gonna trust God. And over time, the Israelites went into the promised land. But the Bible also tells us that another generation came up and they forgot the commands of God. They forgot to follow him and they disobeyed God in every way. And for 490 years, the land never got a Sabbath rest. 490 years. Think how long that takes for people to think, oh, I'm getting away with this. I can do my own thing. I can be in control. We're fine. Nothing has happened. 490 years. Do the math. That's 70 years of Sabbath rest that the Israelites owed God. 70 whole years. And then we know because of the rebellion, what happened? Nebuchadnezzar came in. Babylon came in. They burned up the city. They took them, they took them into captivity. And what does the scripture say? Second Chronicles chapter 36, verse 20 and 21. The few who survived were taken as exiles to Babylon. And they became servants to the king and his sons until the kingdom of Persia came to power. So the message of the Lord spoke through Jeremiah was fulfilled. Listen to this. The land finally enjoyed its Sabbath rest, lying desolate until, how long? Okay, we can say it together. 70. 70 years. Some of you are like, I'm not good at math, Pastor. Please just help me. 70 years. They were in captivity. How long did they disobey God and give the land rest? 70 years. God says, no, no, no. Listen, you can choose to disobey me. You can choose to walk away. But God's will will be done. And you can be on his side or the other side but I choose to be on the Lord's side, which means I choose to trust him even when it doesn't make sense. And I understand that resting is a gift from God. And my last point is this. Point number two, surrendering to God what you cannot control. Resting is surrendering to God what you cannot control. I noticed something. Two times, Moses expressed a common theme to the Israelites, that resting in God means this, that God will fight your battles for you. One of our favorite songs to sing in this church, that God will go before us, that he will fight our battles, that he would take care of your enemies. And as Moses and the Israelites were at the edge of the Red Sea and Pharaoh and the Egyptians are coming after them, listen to the words of Moses. Exodus chapter 14, verse 13 and 14. Please, please listen. Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch. The Lord will rescue you today. Just stand there and trust and what he's about to do. I know the enemy's coming after you. I know you feel worried sick right now. I know you feel like you're about to suffer defeat, but don't you understand? All you have to do is stand still and watch what the Lord is about to do. He will rescue you. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The burdens that you feel, 
the stress that is in your life right now, I will take it away. Some of the things that worry us the most and weigh us down are things that disappear within days and we allow it to get the best of us. There are days I'm mad at myself, like God, why is my mood so terrible? I had one bad thing happen. It doesn't mean my day is bad. God, help me to always know and stand still and receive your grace follow you, just stand still. Watch the Lord. He will rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Rest. Watch him fight. Watch him move. And just rest for the Lord will show you his best. But let's continue. The Israelites over time as they got to the promised land, I said that they, they forgot when they saw how big the enemies were. And there's a reason they were scared. To be honest with you, I would be very terrified too because they're not like the enemies we face today. Listen to this, Numbers chapter 13, verse 28. But the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw, listen to this, the giants there, the descendants of the Anak, the Anakim, the Rephim, that we see out of Genesis chapter six called the Nephilim, these descendants of giants. Goliath was a descendant of the Nephilim. This is why he was so big. These people were huge and they were strong. And verse 31, they came back and they said to Moses and they said to God, we can't go up against them. But they're stronger than we are. They're more powerful than us. I added some scriptures. In Numbers chapter 13, verse 33, the Israelites said that they felt like grasshoppers among them in size. In Numbers chapter 12, verse 23, the land was so prosperous that it states that a cluster of grapes was so large it took two people to carry them out of the promised land. Think about that. And think about when God says, I got a special blessing for you. When God says, I have a land flowing for you with milk and honey when he has a blessing for your life. You better believe it's more than you can imagine. But let me also back this up about the giants. In Genesis chapter six, verse four is the first time we see this. And it states in those days and for some time after, giant Nephilites lived on the earth. And there's a Jewish history book called the book of Jasher. Now Jasher's not in the Bible, but it's mentioned a bunch of times out of the Bible. Let me do, give you one example. Joshua chapter 10, verse 13 is this event not recorded in the book of Joshua. The sun stayed in the middle of the sky and did not set as a normal day. So I look at the book of Joshua like a Jewish history book. And out of the book of Joshua, there's a mention of King Og of Bashan. Now you can find King Og of Bashan and see how big he is out of Deuteronomy chapter three, verse 11, he's huge. But in the book of Joshua, it states that he went on top of a mountain and he grabbed a stone so large, he was gonna throw it on top of the entire camp of Israel on top of it. And then it states that an angel of the Lord came, broke the rock over his head, made him fall off the mountain, and the rock crushed his neck, and he died. Now the Bible tells us this. Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 3. So the Lord God, so the Lord our God handed over King Og and all of his people over to us. So even though they were facing giants, stronger people 
mightier people, people that we should be afraid of, and a land so plentiful, so big that we can't even really fathom it today. Here's what Moses said. I love this. Because no matter how big the enemy got, Moses still said the same thing. The common thing was this, because a new generation rose up who believed, who believed they would enter into the rest, who believed that God would fight for them. And Moses said in Deuteronomy chapter one, verse 29 and 30, he said, but I said to you, don't be shocked. Don't be afraid of them. The Lord your God is going ahead of you. He will fight for you just as you saw him do in Egypt when the Pharaoh was coming against you. I'm gonna have you stand right here. And I'm gonna ask our pastoral care team to come up front. How do you rest when life gets hard? How do you trust the Lord when, when the life you're living right now is difficult and you feel like everything is falling apart and out of your control? You trust God when you don't understand and you surrender to God what you cannot control. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 31 states it like this. Victory rests with the Lord. So when you rest with the Lord, there's victory over your life. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you've been blessed by this message, be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss future messages. And if you feel led to give to this ministry, check out the link in the description and see the other ways you can get connected.